TTYA Talks, the podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of TTYA Talks. Um, I started this platform to be able to connect successful women who are pioneering in the creative industry. So today we're going to have a little focus on broadcasting and I have my amazing, talented, super humorous friend, Julie <laughs> Adenuga, <laughs> here to give us com- some tips and tricks and to kind of like give us the behind the scenes business element um, of broadcasting. So welcome, Julie. Thank you so much for having me, babe. So I'm going to kind of get straight into it because there's so much I feel like um, I can talk to you about all day long. But I'm kind of for me, it's probably easier to break it down into sections. And I think for me, it would be like focusing on broadcasting and then kind of like what your heritage has kind of played into that. Because I feel like especially growing up in both of us growing up in kind of African households, creative industry wasn't really something that. I guess within our heritage is kind of pushed forward. It's very like academic, academic. So that's something that we're probably going to get into a little bit later. But I think it's probably easier to kind of start at the beginning. Um, what attracted you into broadcasting and what were you doing before you kind of got into uh, it? I'll be totally honest with you. Um, I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, so bored. As Honestly, I dropped out of uni at the time. Um, which obviously, like you just what said, in our households to? is a no-no. I was going to the University of East London. I was on the Beckton campus, and oh wow, it was two and a half yeah, two and a half hours train journey there. I had to get on three different trains to get there, um, and I just my heart wasn't in it at all. Yeah, I, I was gonna say Beckton, Tottenham to Beckton is a bit it of a mission. Babe. Wild, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's like three different trains. Uh, hang on, let me see if I and a bus. So it was it was a two one seven or the two three one bus to Turnpike Lane. Then it was Turnpike Lane on a Piccadilly line to where would it be? Maybe Kings Cross. Then okay. Kings Cross Northern line to Bank. Then Bank get the DLR train to um, to Beckton. I'm already then, tired. Just listening yeah, to that. you get what I'm saying. And then it's <laughs> yeah, so that's two and a half hours. Obviously, that's not including the stress of just being around loads of commuters. You know what commuters are like. No one's got respect for anybody at, at them times when you're traveling. It's just of every every man a woman for themselves. So yeah, I just my heart wasn't in it. I didn't feel like the what's the what's the saying they use like the the, the what's the saying that they use it's not worth the reward what is it yeah, the, okay. the, the, the oh. sacrifice is not it's not worth the yeah, reward yeah. yeah it's not yeah. worth the reward like the, everything that I'm doing to get there I'm getting into uni and I'm not feeling it like, I'm not doing mm-hmm. anything that is really igniting me with a passion or any anything that I'm like you know what actually that two and a half hour journey was worth it because I did this or I met this person or I learned this thing it was just wasn't there so I tried I tried to do the whole year but mm-hmm. it just it just ended up it wasn't for me I couldn't do it and I'm the kind of person that you can read my face my face will tell you exactly how I'm feeling <laughs> so yeah you can Snap. tell straight away so I couldn't I couldn't even trick myself into it I'd look at myself in the mornings and think this is this is not it and I knew it wasn't it so I ended up just dropping out and then I got bored and I'm a busybody. So um, I just tried to do everything, anything I could do, go anywhere, meet up with people, just do anything in the world. And broadcasting just happened to be one of those things that I, I was I was doing loads at the time, though. Mm-hmm. I was um, I was like trying to start like a dance class. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? As I'm saying I it out loud, it sounds what? mad. Yeah, I was trying to start a dance class with my friend Cyan. We was trying to do, it was weird. I was trying to be a books editor for a magazine. 
Um, I was trying to start a, like a, a TV show sort of thing. I was trying to do everything and radio just happened to be one of the things that someone was like, you should try this. And I tried it and it's it stuck and it stuck for 10 years. So wow. yeah, boredom, definitely. It's the, it's the <laughs> bo- <laughs> How can that be why I do what I do? Because I was bored. That is so mad. Um, but yeah, no, I was bored. It's just like idealism and it makes you have time to think about stuff. But also exactly. like, I think, for us, it was just like, like you said, I think it's important to note that you tried a variety of things. It wasn't mm. something that you were just like, you didn't target to say, okay, cool, I want to do this. Because I think within careers, people often feel like, oh, like I studied this, which means it's going to equate to I this. I have to do this. Gonna, yeah, yes, I have to exactly. do that. So I think it's really important to note that you like didn't have a clear path. It was just like you yeah. were just trying a variety of things. So how did that journey kind of ensue from that to where you are now? Obviously at Beats 1, one of the f- biggest female presenters there. How did that kind of journey elapse for you? Um. Oh man. You know what? I would say uh, it's probably it's a mix of two things. I think it's it's one my freedom. I was I I have I have a lot of freedom in in radio, and I have done since since the very beginning because well i don't know why but it just it just has been that you know i've pl- I play the music i want to play um i've only ever been on two radio stations my whole career and they're the only two radio stations i would ever be on ever even now as i look back at my career mm-hmm. there's no other station that i would that i think oh, i should have you know maybe done a, a year there or a year here or to me, Rinse FM and Beats One are the two stations that feel like me as much as I feel like them. I was about to say, they're very you. <laughs> yeah, they feel like, yeah, exactly. Very so organic for, to you, yeah. Just, yeah, they just feel that the people that I've worked with whilst there, um, <clears throat> everybody that has been involved in both of those stations and those processes for me, I, I, they've always, it just feels right to me. So that's definitely one of the reasons why um, I, you know, I'm I'm ten years in, but the second one for me is is definitely that I, I find that radio sometimes uh, maybe accidentally has has lent itself to a lot of my, the qualities that make me who I am. So mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a middle child, so that means I'm the carer of my family. You know, I'm always trying to bring um, everybody together. I've read a lot about middle children. We are a very specific breed of human, but um, yeah, there's a lot of of qualities that we have in us that that lend themselves to me being um, a, a personality and um, a public figure who loves the underdog who loves to pioneer new things and new sounds who loves to champion um, people and music scenes and genres that are not being recognized um, who loves to just converse with people and, and find out how they are what's going on with them and who loves to learn from people as well that's all of those things happen in radio um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't know if it was an accident. I didn't because it because I was bored and just ended up in it. I don't know h- how it ended up being that way that all of those like, small sort of attributes have come out of it. But they have. So from interviewing people to finding new music to, you know, meeting up with artists and going to see their live shows. These are all things that I think whether I was in radio or not, I would I would yearn to do in some way. Um, so for 10 years I've kind of I've been in a really really fortunate and privileged position to just be able to um, to do what I love and to and to feel passionate non-stop for 10 years about something Um, and then it just so happens that I that I'm talented at it I guess I have a skill (laughs) 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 you have a skill yeah that helps that helps as well um, I didn't think I had a skill for a long time, though. I'll be totally honest with you. I, I remember. I remember. Um, okay, why'd you say that? 
because I didn't think I was doing anything. I felt I felt like I was going to a building. I was walking through the front door. I was playing music and I was talking about it. That was it. I wasn't. There was nothing else to radio. I didn't. I didn't. I still to this. I only learned how to DJ. Uh, even though I don't DJ out, people always try to book me. I don't DJ. I just want to make that really clear. But um, this jockey, yeah, I'm not a disc jockey. I'm a radio presenter. But um, <laughs> I only learned how to DJ what when I started. So it's maybe two or three years into into it. I I actually bought CDJs in my room and learned how to DJ. Mm -hmm. But I I wasn't you know I'm I don't I didn't wasn't it didn't look like a skill to me. I remember I grew up with a family of, of music people. I grew up with my older brother who was a DJ and then an MC, my other brother who's an MC. And I, you know, I grew up around and listening to people like Todd Edwards and um, DJ Maximum and, you know, like Super D. There's DJs that I, I've seen them and I've heard them mix and I'm saying I could never do that. That to me is a skill. That, that a to me is jockey. a that's a That's a next level. Being a selector, Mixing the way I've seen the, the mixes that I've heard and seen in my lifetime, th that to me is a skill. So when I was walking into radio and putting a CD in and hitting play, you know what I'm saying? Just making yeah. sure that the pitch the pitch was in the right place so I, the yeah. song wasn't too fast or too slow. I didn't think that was a skill. So for, yeah. for a really long time, I didn't feel like I was skill, skilled or talented. Um, it wasn't until I started mentoring people who wanted to get into broadcasting that I've, mm -hmm. I realised that what I do has... Um, a knack to it like it has a thing to it that uh, not that only I can do that is, is actually my thing that is Julie Alanuga's thing I didn't realise that for a really 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 long time um, and you know they say that you, you, you know that you've mastered something when you can teach it to someone else and I remember yeah. trying to teach it and, it and and seeing what I was getting back and realising no actually Julie that you, that's you know, your this calling is, that's your destiny yeah exactly exactly <laughs> So what makes a good broadcaster? What are like oh. some of the perks of the job? <laughs> what, makes a, what makes a good broadcaster? Um, communication is important. Mm -hmm. um, and being able to listen as well as being able to talk. And actually being able to listen better than you talk. Um, and something that I don't think a lot of people ever think about. Being able to talk isn't easy. I, I remember being in school and I always wanted to read out in class. <laughs> I used to think why is no one else putting their hand up <laughs> they'd be like who wants to read the next paragraph I'd be like me okay cool as I get to the end of the paragraph I'm thinking oh she's going to pick someone else so I just keep, I, like, I, just keep I jump from the last <laughs> sentence yeah to the <laughs> I, I do it quick as soon as I get to the end of the paragraph I just go to the next sentence really quickly because I just want I loved I loved speaking I love it till this day I love speaking when I lose my voice I'm so sad when I come back from a rave and I've been screaming and shouting or whatever and I've lost my voice, it, it makes me, I'm, I'm sad. I'm actually a sad person. <laughs> it brings sadness to me. I love talking and I didn't, I didn't realise how many people in this world don't. How many people, if you say to them, you know, tell me about yourself or, you know, tell me what you love. They, they, get, they, shy. Sort of, yeah. they get shy and, you know, <laughs> I didn't, I thought everybody loved to communicate in that way. So um, what makes a good broadcaster is being able to talk confidently and know what you're saying um and then yeah being able to listen is so important as well and not just when you're doing an interview um listening to the music you're playing um hearing the music is a, a certain type of tone and then when you're talking off the back of that song you know matching that tone you don't want to play a slow jam and then come in screaming like yo that was you know what i'm saying <laughs> being able to being able to listen is important um and then being able to listen to your team as well um i started working with producers maybe 
what two or three three or no i'm lying actually yeah no three years into into radio i was like working with a, my like a radio producer someone who um is a part of your show essentially you hear radio producers sometimes during shows but m more time they they don't actually have any presence on the microphone or on air um but it's their job to facilitate your radio show and being able to listen to someone critique you um is very very important um and then everything else sort of just it will fall into place. But being able to talk and being able to listen, I, I think are the most important things for being a broadcaster. Um, and then the packs of the job, depending on what, what level you're on, is just free stuff, isn't it? <laughs> the packs of any job, <laughs> stuff Freeness. for free. Hey, uh, <laughs> Sir is playing at Shepherd's Bush Empire. Do you want to come up? Oh, yes, I would yeah. love to come to that show. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> free stuff's always good. Um, and then I think another perk actually is, is hearing... Hearing how your show affects other people's lives is a perk. Not everybody gets to okay. gets the the feedback directly to them of what your existence on this planet means to another human being. Mm -hmm. um, but hearing people reading tweets from people who tell me that uh, you know I introduce them to an artist or um, you know tell me that they listen to me every day on the way to work. I'm like every day. I don't listen. You know, like that's <laughs> I, don't yeah, know I don't know what I do every day. every day. You know what I'm saying? I don't <laughs> listen to myself every day. I'm just stuck with me. But you know, like hearing people tell me how I make them feel and being able to experience that is a, is a blessing and is a privilege that to this day when people say they listen to my, you know, I've been in I've been in a house party in LA and I've been talking and someone has said turned around and said Julie. And I thought, how? They weren't even <laughs> looking at me. They just recognized my voice. Your you voice know, you know, sick. you know, like that. Like it's really, mm -hmm. it is a really surreal feeling for someone to not even see me, but recognize my voice before they even notice my face is incredible. I had, I got, an, I got a DM the other day, Irene from Black Fort. Oh. Yeah, legend, the roots legend. Of course. Yeah? He messaged me to tell me that um, he thinks that my music choices and taste are amazing and that uh, i introduced him to benji flow and he loves him he thinks he's a really talented guy i couldn't believe it i, love benji flow. I couldn't believe it yeah i couldn't believe it i said okay this is another one i'm adding to my list but it's, it's things like that you know being able to talk to a person that drives a van every day in east london whilst they're listening to radio to being able to have music tastes that in, in that are impressive to someone like Black Fort is just yeah that's definitely I think if not the best perk yeah it must be yeah yeah it is oh God, it's the I best love perk that. I think for me what, what I've seen with you is that you always use your uh, platform to kind of benefit others and that's what I try I, I try about you but I wanted to touch upon like kind of like the business setup of obviously actually being a broadcaster because you did touch upon like having a producer and like mm. I think what is the actual structure because people just think that you literally walk into a room maybe <laughs> and there's a microphone and you just like <laughs> you just start chatting and that's it <laughs> and then your show is just magically made so you know what's the actual business <laughs> entity of that like who who are your members of your team and how does that whole setup kind of work so depending on depending on what style of show you're doing, you know, some people have two producers in the room. Some people just have one. Some people can do a radio show by themselves. Um, I've done all three. I've had okay. all versions of that. I definitely, um, I definitely think that a producer is necessary for a good radio show. You you never realize what you're saying until after you've said it. Whereas a producer's listening to you in real time. You know, you're just talking. 
um, but a producer can can hear from an outside perspective. It's basically like having another version of you listen to yourself whilst you're See. presenting. So um, yeah, for for radio, you want to obviously plan your show. You got to come up with creative for your show. Every time you hear different. Um, different titles for things that wasn't just an accident you had to sit and plan you know Targo Embargo is something that he would have sat and thought what can we call a song that hasn't been put out yet and mm -hmm. Embargo is a term that's used in the industry and you know so he would have had to sit and think about that Every everything you hear in in any radio show from UK Represent on my show uh, Matt Wilkinson's got five best songs on Apple Music these are all ideas that you sit down with your team and you have to brainstorm and come up with to to mm -hmm. keep your your listeners interested in your um in your show so it's a producer a of branding right it's exactly that's yeah. exactly what it is you're branding your show so there are things that people that listen to you will always be able to identify with when they when they're listening to your to your radio show so that's one thing that's important um and one of the reasons why a producer is essential um another thing is a soundboard so my producer on my show sam sam skit i've we've worked together since i was on rinse fm we've worked together for maybe eight oh, years wow. Um, I've seen Sam more than I haven't seen Sam in my life. So I'm 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 on <laughs> I'm on radio. I was on radio on Rinse FM um, five days a week, Monday to Friday, for three hours each day. Um, and wow, on Beats that's One, a I'm long time. Out, a very long time. I did that for two two and a bit years. And then on Beats, I was doing a daily show, Monday to Friday, two hours a day. Um, my show's now changed. So I'm only doing an hour a day now. But even still, that was eight years of being with another person in the studio at a certain yeah. time every single every day, day yeah. Monday to Friday. And so that's a relationship that, that, that relationship to me is the same as a romantic partner, is the same as your best friend, is the same as a business partner. Mm -hmm. My relationship with Sam is, you know, I, yeah, like I said, I've seen Sam in the last 10 years, I've seen Sam more times than I haven't seen him. That's how much time you spend with that person. And so, yeah, to me, finding a producer that understands you that understands your strengths that understands your weaknesses that can be very honest with you and tell you what sounds good and what doesn't sound good you know sam and i we have arguments like real arguments anyone else in the room when me and sam are arguing they just look to the floor because <laughs> we we argue like brother and sister you I know the ones where you're like quite intense yeah like you know when you love someone so you know you can go at it because it's they know where it's coming from but if yeah. you might just press a button and it's nervy or it's a sensitive subject or whatever but me and sam can argue like that and that the next day we're fine yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. so that to me, I can't stress enough how important it is to have a, a producer like that. And Sam is, you know, he's never ever spoken on the mic on any of my radio shows ever. Um, and it's not, you know, and I say that to say it's not about finding someone who sounds good on air, who's got confidence to be a part of your show. It's about finding someone who knows what you need to make your show better and is always, always trying to make your show better. That is Sam in a nutshell. Um, yeah, and it, I when I when I left Rinse and came to Beats One, and they asked me, you know, what kind of stuff I need, I said, Sam. <laughs> they were straight like that. <laughs> I was like, you know, what do you need to be do? like? I'm starting a brand new show on a global radio station, and I'm meeting all. The, I'm in LA. I'm meeting all these people for the first time. They was like, what do you need? I said, I need Sam. Need Skit. Sam. <laughs> I need him with me. I need Love that guy that. with me. Yeah, and my Love show that. my show would not be what it is without that guy. So. Um, yeah, in terms of the business side of things, that's definitely something that I think people, 
if if you want to have that level of show, then you, you need someone who's there like that. And then as a show changes, and depending on what your show needs, you can have a bigger team. My show has got a lot of elements to it. So we've got, um, I've got another um, person on my team called Day Island who works on editing um, audio for me and things like that. And then I used to work with a guy called Josh, amazing guy called Josh and Millie as well. I've had a few people on my, on my team actually who do the same, that, you know, they're like assistants um, who, who help to bring the small, the other elements of radio that I guess people don't really think about like recorded content and things like that um, to life and make them sound as good because when I'm not talking there needs to be something happening and if there the music uh, there can't be silence <laughs> so if the music choices Dayolan does a sick job of picking great music as well and saying you know what actually this is some new R&B you should listen to Julie or this is you know um, everybody everybody on my team has always added value um, yeah it's a, and it's something I struggle with I don't work well in a team in any other in any other arena except for radio but I think it's because the people that I've worked with are so brilliant. I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's them. <laughs> so less about me and more about no, how brilliant they are, to be honest. <laughs> but I do think it's important to actually stress that it's a team effort because I think sometimes it does, you, you're, when you're the face of especially your brand, which you which you are, people yeah. don't really get to see the BTS or the behind Absolutely. the scenes and all the elements that kind of come together to kind of build that up. What mm -hmm. is kind of like a typical day, like on a day that you'd have your show, like you said, your show's like gone down to one hour a day now. Like yeah. what is a typical day for you and how much time, I, I would say probably pre that show, how much time goes into planning that show? So for a lot of radio stations, I think the sort of the rule is just get there an hour before your show. Um, you have to be, you can't turn up. <laughs> you can't turn up two minutes before you're going live. You can, but... Like, I'm here, guys. I've arrived. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Oh, Let's yes. do it. Yeah, you can <laughs> if you want to. But I think the sort of rule for most radio stations that I know of anyway is that you arrive an hour before your show. Um, and so on a typical day for me, my radio show starts at um, 7 o'clock in the evening. So I'll get there around maybe 4.35. Um, Sam and Dayalan would have been talking to me on text or an email before anyway, asking me about any bits I want to add to the show. I'll send them an email and say, can we play this in the show? Can we change this? Can we add this? Um, we work on a shared document. And so we have a plan of what the show is going to be from the songs we're going to play to the, maybe the announcement we want to make or, you know, the artists we want to talk about. Um, and then once it hits about 6 PM, I'll then do a run through of the show, um, which is essentially just, without playing the songs, reading through what's going to happen in the show today and picking up on any things that I want to change or amend or add or don't understand that maybe Sam or Dayan have put into the plan. Um, and then at seven, we go live and go anything live that yes. happens, anything that happens, happens and we just got to deal with it, you know? <laughs> because, yeah, we're live. It's really happening and there's nothing that we can do. And if, you know, once it's once once they say three, two, one, over to you, um, yeah, it's live. But to me, I I love live radio. I absolutely love it. I hate I hate pre-recording things. Why? I can't stand it. I love that when radio is live, everything that I'm saying has been said and it's out and it's gone. It's in real time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. There's no bring it back. Oh, let me change this. Or, no, we're in the moment and it's happening and what is happening is happening. That's it. You can't change it because that's what life is. Um, so to me yeah I just I love I absolutely love live radio I think it's amazing it's one of my favourite things if not yeah definitely up there is one of my favourite things in the world to do 
you touched on Benji Flo a little bit earlier. Who yeah. are some of your kind of favorite acts at the moment breaking oh. through? I know we probably can talk about this all day. And oh. also, and also double whammy one. <laughs> How do you feel like the UK music scene is impacting music in general, like globally? Oh, man. Because your okay. show is a global go. show. We have to have the global mindset one. You're right. You are correct. Let me not forget that because sometimes I'm like, who's listening again? Oh, everybody. Um, oh, <laughs> everybody oh, around the world web. is listening. Okay, cool. And it's live. Um, favorite artist, man, Benji Flo. Absolutely. Benji Flo and Rags Original are two of my all-time favorite people, I think, full stop now. They've just won their way into my hearts. Um, but I love them. They're pioneers of a really sick, just vibesy sound. I love how... They champion blackness in their music mm. videos. I love how they champion women in their music. Um, I love that they're just not afraid to be who they are. And um, yeah, I think they're incredibly talented people. Um, NSG, anyone that knows me knows I'm a huge NSG fan. Oh my God. <laughs> listen, listen, you see NSG. You know what it is? I, I, I just... I accept my generation and I accept the time I came up in and I love the time I grew up in. But, and I'm not someone who, I appreciate the, the position that I play in this life and the, and the privileges that I've been afforded in my life. But there is a small part of me that wishes I could be 16, 17 years old again. So really? I could be, so, so Benji Flo and Rags Original and NSG could be the men that's that are like, like you know yeah. they could be my usher they could be my yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what i'm saying they could be my chris brown they could be my donnell jones they could be my joe like chris brown or, or. they that's like there's a part of that's me that wishes i was in school and i was in the playground and i was you know i'm in like year 10 year 11 and ot bop is is i like the biggest tune in the school right now like there's a part of me that wishes that because the energy that these lot bring man the vibes and the culture that these are bringing to music, man, I think it's incredible, man. I love NSG so much. They are definitely um, some of my favorite people. Like honestly, and I've then, never seen anything uh, like it. Yeah, they're just <laughs> mate. Listen, I've if I if I if we still had remember back in the day, they would release magazines. You had like full length, like A4, A3 size posters fold yeah. out in the middle. <laughs> I'd have an NSG poster on my wall, legit, <laughs> without question. I'd be that would be on my wall. I'd be the putting love hearts around. <laughs> yeah, I'd be putting love hearts around my favorite my favorite members. And like I'd really be in there. Like I love them so much. Um, and then someone else as well is Shabo. Shabo, yeah. Okay. Shabo is like an Aggie. She's like a roadman, yeah. But she's a woman, yeah. And she's like, she's yeah. me. You know, like, yeah. You see how I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. That's who Shabo is. You know, when I was younger, that was my vibe. I used to always hang around with Mandem. It was just me and the Mandem all the time. I was the only girl that used to hang around with them. Me and my friend Glenda. And um. Yeah, like I remember being the Aggie girl who's just like, you know what I'm saying? Just like I talk like man them and I'm 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 about it, but I'm also, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm the yeah, like it's bruv, I love her, bro. She just says sick things and I love her energy and I, I I'm really into women who just have like attitude problems. Yeah, but she's got so much versatility. Like I But like, they're yeah, just, but they're yeah, vibey with Aggie. She's just Aggie with yeah. me. Like and that's why I Yeah, like, you're not gonna so mess much. with her. You're yeah, not gonna no, mess with all, her. But also she's she'll be like, oh hello, how are you? I'm like, oh okay, cool. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm cool, I'm sexy, I'm this, I'm that, but when I put my trackie on, don't come you know and say nothing to me, bro. <laughs> yeah, you know what time it is. So uh, yeah, I I love Shabo. And then I think just in terms of what UK music is doing globally, I think it's doing what 
what I've wanted it to do for a long time, really, which is it's representing the types of people that really live in the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. and it's doing that all over the world. It's, it's it was it's been funny over the last what five years of Beats One to see how the the, the attitudes towards um, the UK have changed, especially from from um, Americans. It's been interesting to see how they've gone from thinking that we're tea and biscuits to realizing that there's more to us and that our culture is very different to what I think they've always felt it Imagine, is. Um, yeah. I feel like and always imagine that, that it is. And social media the internet, the internet's yeah. definitely helped that. But seeing, you know, seeing British artists perform in American spaces, um, I've seen everybody from Bacar to Slow Tie to Skepta. Um, in in American spaces and seeing them react to people that I think they never even knew existed. Yeah, yeah. They didn't in the United Kingdom has been amazing. Um, and then also seeing a lot of British people come through with their African culture and heritage has been beautiful, man. And it's been so nice to see it in a time where Afrobeats and and African artists who are born and bred in in Africa are able to say, yeah, like I love that my brothers and sisters in the diaspora all over the world are really representing for us because it's something I don't think our parents really got to do. You know, they've been they've been fighting just to make sure that we got food to eat. So it's been nice to see um, the Jay Husses of the world just you know be be proud about where they're from and show off where they're from and show off their heritage. And yeah, I love that UK music is is doing a great job of representing representing who we've been for years, but that a lot of people didn't know we we yeah. were. Yeah, That's well, let's to me. let's get into the heritage because yes, you've touched on it a little bit. Um, yeah. now and I just think that it's important I think me and you have gelled on a sisterly bond <laughs> because Absolutely. of our heritage and yep. I think that's important to kind of like you said it's kind of crossed over culturally now and it's important to kind of speak on it just a little bit and I know a lot of the time like I read a really bogus statement recently which stated that you had the benefits of being younger sister mm-hmm. of, <laughs> of, of Grimey MC Skepta and JME and why do you find that like statements like that are problematic for you because you're you're one of well you can I'm gonna let you because I've got my opinions on it but I'm yeah. gonna let yeah. you take the lead <laughs> I'm passing the mic to you my dear <laughs> Oh, thanks, babes. You know what? It's been something I've tried to. Um, it's been something I've tried to to accept. I guess I, I've been I've been reading reading articles about Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher my whole life, and th- those two can never get away from each other, no matter how much they try. You know, I, I get I get it, and I sort of understand media to a certain extent. I I I've seen the patterns in how people try to. I guess give things some kind of um, clickbait contextual f- meaning. Fam- <laughs> yeah, clickbait, clickbait, but also give things familiarity as well to someone. Mm-hmm. So if you pick up a newspaper and there's a, I don't know, there's a there's a there's an article about um, Tesla, they'll try and chuck in Elon Musk's name, not just because he created it, but because that feels more familiar to someone who may not know what Tesla is or where it's from. So I, I get that. I get that that's how you sort of give your readers some kind of understanding and context, I, I would say. But I've just, there's there's sometimes when it's just not necessary. There's sometimes when I'm reading something and I think there is absolutely nowhere in this whole arena that my relatives even make sense to be mentioned. It just feels like you're throwing it in just for lols and clickbait and banter. And to me... Um, I don't expect people to sympathise with me. I don't expect people to understand my journey and and where I've come from and and what I've done to get to where I am today. Um, but I but I would like at least I would I would like for people to to give my my story and 
my accomplishments and achievements to give them more credit. His own accolades, yeah. And yeah, give them more credit and give them its own accolade rather than sort of relating it to um, my siblings. And not because, and it's not because, it's not because, it's it's difficult. It's, I just, I'm trying to use the right words about, I don't want to, because it doesn't make me angry. It just, it just reminds me that even though I've been in radio for 10 years. Um, I was one of three anchors on Beats One, Apple Music, the first ever streaming service from the biggest tech company in the world. Um, I was one of the, I, I had the least amount of experience out of my two other anchors when we first started. You know, I was a newbie to the world, but it was, you know, the work that I'd put in and the the culture that I that I'd helped grow and all these things. If I can do all of that stuff and people still need to know who I'm related to, then I just think about the other people that are coming up that who, whose accomplishments are going to be sort of trodden on as well. You know, mm-hmm. like that's what I think about. I think, right, if you've got to tell everyone who I'm related to when I've done all of these things. Babe, um, I think you need how? to say those accomplishments one more time for the people at the back because <laughs> you kind of just said it very gracefully, like, yeah, I've got 10 years experience and, you know, I'm, you know, one of the first three anchors on, you know, one of the first radio stations for this global, one of the biggest tech companies. But it's, but it's real. Like, say it, it again for the people at the I'm, back, yeah? Because I've, I've done a you lot. You scream your, I, your accomplishments, yeah? yeah? I've done a lot. I have done a lot. And um, I just think, like, give, you've got to give people a chance. I don't want the Henrys of the world and the Rebecca Judds of the world to come up and have to, you know, people are going to have to find something about them before they talk about them and what they're doing and what they've done. Do you know what I mean? Like, let us just do what we're doing. And it's and it's funny that I've only mentioned women there as well because it doesn't just happen to women, but I feel in a time where we are very aware of what women are, how women are being treated, you know. I think it's only like, just give us our, just give us our props, give us, give our, us our pats on the man. back, give us our give awards, us our and just let us make our speech and just let us talk about how you know what we've done. And I think another thing as well that 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 makes statements like that problematic is people remove the influence that I've had on them. Uh-huh. As well, you, and that's tell them again, Julie. <laughs> tell them again. Tell them again. but they do they sort of remove the influence that i've had on my on my older siblings they remove the influence that my parents have had on them they remove the influence that my youngest brother has had on them you know they remove the influence that we've all had on each other and that to me that's what makes it problematic to me i think that's what makes people feel that they can you know fix their mouths to say oh you know she's doing this because of this person you know what i mean (laughs) yeah they can they can fix their (laughs) mouth they can fix their mouth mouth into the shape into the shape that (laughs) where they can say yeah man she's you know she's here because of that guy or you know she got to do this because of him it's like it's it's statements like that but you forget that we are a family we all lived in the same house me my three brothers and my mom and dad we lived in the same house um it's until i was 20 25 years old so for 25 years really we Julie? all lived in the I same house yeah i didn't move out until i was 27 but junior and jamie had moved out by then my older yeah. my older two brothers but we all lived in the same house until i was 25 years old so you know that's not junior and jamie went walking around getting influences from random places and then coming <laughs> home and making great music you know 
we we were it all part in the house. It started yeah, it started in, in the home. You know, as as the only sister in the house, I'm sure there's things that they will tell you. If Judy didn't exist, you know, we wouldn't have we wouldn't know about we wouldn't this. Wouldn't know that because yeah, she yeah. was the person that brought this into the home. That like she was, you know, if Jason didn't exist and he wasn't into drawing and animation, Jamie's album covers wouldn't look the way they looked. You know, Junior's music wouldn't have sounded the way it sounded on Konnichiwa because Jason produced some of it. So we all influence each other, and I love them because they've never ever said otherwise you know they've never ever tried to hide any of that and I, I love them for that because they, they've always just been who they are so you know it'd be a different story if they were like yeah we did make her but they're not like that you get what I'm saying so <laughs> so yeah it, it just comes from it comes from the outside and I, yeah I just wish I, I would I would love for people to just not just me to just give everybody the the awards that they're due and the credit that they're due and just give it solely to them and allow them to feel feel um Feel proud of of what they've done and who they've become because of oh God, because of this. themselves. How do you feel your Nigerian household kind of upbringing has differed from others? Because oh I God. think we touched on this earlier <laughs> when we were talking about, um, you know, like typical Nigerian upbringing is very academic and within their mm-hmm. own rights. You know, they're they're yeah. a, they're, they're I understand they're a, it. They're, yeah, they're a product of their own environment. Absolutely. And I think for them coming here and wanting a better life for them, they only saw academic. And it's interesting because you're pretty much your whole household is creative. So yeah. how do you feel like your upbringing might have differed from others when it comes to kind of your freedom for creativity? You know what? Any time I even hear, anytime anyone talks to me about my household, man, I just give all the credit to my mum and dad. That's mm-hmm. it. There's nothing else. Give it all to them because without... You know, we've all grown up. We we got beats when we were younger. Like we had all of that, but without my mum and dad having the 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 minds that they have, we you know me, Junior, Jamie, and Jason, we wouldn't we wouldn't be who we are today. My parent parents from day one have always always just been a little bit different to the rest of their friends. That's it. My my dad, my mum, and the, well, the fact that they both decided to move to England. Mm-hmm. separately without knowing each other already sort of tells you that they kind of my mom and dad maybe had sim- similar yeah. visions and mindsets to mm-hmm. you know to each other peers, um yeah. yeah but then you know from there my dad my dad was a dj he used to dj on brick lane he, he knew Six. about the 24-hour bagel sh- spot before i did Six. when i started Longest working times. on brick lane <laughs> yeah. yeah he's like uh, he's been doing that my mum always always questions everything she um she had a lot of friends that were white she was she didn't ever just have nigerian friends she was never you know i've got friends who don't date outside of their tribe because their parents you know don't their agree. parents you said you, hell no yeah you hell can't date a yoruba man you're ibo yeah. like I, when i hear things like that i'm like whoa like I'm, I, I guess again so my mom wild. is ibo my dad's yoruba so they already were trying to go against the grain of what was expected of them you know mm-hmm. they their family to this day probably still have issues with them marrying each other because they're not the same tribe but I've, yeah it's just it's them always it's always been there my mom will come and tell me auntie elaine's got this my, my white auntie jamie's closest friend's mom auntie elaine is talking to me about this guy called maharishi and all this stuff and blah blah <laughs> sorry maharishi um his name is <laughs> maharishi was that designer <laughs> my his name <laughs> maharishi uh maharaji his name is he was a like a he was like a um, like a motivational speaker, but he okay. he had different philosophies and styles of thinking about things. And my mom would come and talk to us about it. You know, we stopped going to church from a young age because my mom didn't really believe in in the church that we was going to. And so, just every single thing about my parents has always always been outside of the box, just <laughs> against the grain. Yeah, very much like just not what everybody else was doing, and that definitely trickled down 
through all of us from Junior to Jamie to me and then to Jason. Um, and yeah, I think we are we are just weird. I say weird, but not in a bad way. I mean, we are just very left of what everybody else was doing when we were growing up. We we just sat in a, in a box that was slightly just to the left of everybody. Um, and I, yeah, I have to give all that credit to my parents, man, because they just weren't on... They weren't on doing exactly what they were told. And don't get me wrong, there were certain traditions that they they you know they held on to strongly till this day that they hold on to and they reinforced, yeah. But there was something about it was there was just something about they held on to academics for a while as well until until Junior sort of showed them that it's okay, I'm gonna be okay, guys. <laughs> I don't need to have gone to school, it's gonna be all right. Here's a new car, relax. Yeah. It was until those yeah, it was until those moments. But um, yeah, man. I, I can't say it enough. My parents definitely are the two reasons that we we are who we are today. And I thank them and I'm grateful for them every single day of my life. I think for you, like when I still 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 well, I can't even talk now. When I still see elements <laughs> of your tradition, it's just like for example, like when I saw you at Rated Awards and you had like traditional gele and like yeah, you were serving yeah. like real like regal looks on the red carpet. Like so I think it's Thanks, still babes. like you still you still like embrace your culture and I feel like when we use this word culture now that's kind of becoming, you know, a bit of a buzzword. A buzzword, um, yeah. I think I think for you, like you've always, well, how you've come across to me is that you've always stayed organic and true to your roots and always implementing things that I feel like women feel like they could use that as an empowerment tool. Is that something that you think of consciously or is it just, this is me kind of vibe? I think um, just following on from my unorthodox family <laughs> and my unorthodox ways... I think for me, I wanted to find a way to love my culture and my heritage that didn't feel like it was being forced upon me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was important to me. I, I I am someone who does, I do not like doing things because someone has said it should happen. I do not like, I do not like following the, the general Following consensus. fashion. <laughs> I, am a, I am a contrarian. My, my family, we're all contrarians. My little brother's the worst of all of us. We, wow. we love to do things just because everybody's doing something else, you know? Yeah. Hang on, everyone's watching Love Island. I'm not watching it. Wait, have you seen it before? <laughs> no, I haven't, but I'm not watching it. Like, that's us. That's anti. us all over. Yeah, we're just anti. That's it. That's why I love that album from Rihanna as well. But um, yeah, we're very, very anti people. And so for a long time, I just remember... And you know what, it's not, and it does stem from somewhere. It's not because I just want to be a contrarian for contrarian's sake. It stems from me feeling like people don't really question things as much as I feel they should. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, we just did things because we were Nigerian. You know, we just followed certain rules because we were Nigerian when we were, when we were kids and when we were teenagers. We'd go around to our, fr our friend's house and our aunties and uncles' houses and we're just doing things because we're Nigerian. Yeah. And and some of them I'd look at and I'd be like, but that's not cool. I don't like that aunties and uncles can tell you to go to bed and be disrespectful to you because in Nigerian culture you have to well, respect, listen, your you to respect your and elders. Respect your elders. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not just gonna. I'm not just gonna succumb to that. And so it, over time, that sort of like big, that grew in me. Mm -hmm. And so for a long time, I didn't want to tell everybody. I'm Nigerian because, and then do all these stereotypical Nigerian things. Being, I wanted to yeah. fall in love with being Nigerian and what that went, what that meant to me. How, what does that mean to me? I'm not born, I wasn't born in Nigeria. I've been to Nigeria maybe four times in my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, so what does being Nigerian mean to me? Because I can't copy what everybody else is doing based on the rules of and the traditions of being Nigerian because some of those things, they don't relate they don't to me. To I, you, don't yeah, I don't speak Yoruba. I don't speak Igbo. 
does that make me less Nigerian? No, what does being Nigerian mean to me? And so, you know, wearing my gele and, you know, never, never, ever, ever accepting anyone pronouncing my surname wrong, whether it be on the phone to the bank or if someone introduces me at an event. There's certain things that have that I have, I have found my way of, of taking of, ownership on, taking ownership on. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and and I and I'm so proud of myself of doing it in a way that doesn't feel like it was forced upon me, but it's actually a part of the growth of who I am. You know, like shaving my head. My shaving my hair oh, off just and that was going to be the next thing I was yeah. going to shaving shaving Are my you hair off. My mind, that <laughs> 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 like all these different things. <laughs> I've it, I've I've taken so much time and I've I've held them as a priority number one for me to find a way to be proud of every single thing that I am without allowing the stereotypes of what those things are to direct me, whether it be a black person, whether it be a woman, whether it be um, being the only girl and being a tomboy, whether it be being Nigerian, whether it be being a British born, all of these things that people will assume that I am, I have, I have, I have allowed myself to hold those things on the side and actually find my own, my own lane and own route in those things. And um, that, that's one of the best decisions I ever made in my life because it made me realize that it doesn't matter. We could, we could all be five foot five Nigerian women with both Yoruba. We could all have the exact same same attributes but we're all still going to be different very different and yeah, that is something different. that i yeah and so that's something that's been that's so important to me is doing all those things made me realize it doesn't matter if i see um a, 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 a 31 year old black woman who grew up in tottenham and da, 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 she's still going to be different to you julie and you have to take the time to get to know who she is and know what she likes and her dislikes and take the time to find to find out who she is and let her show you who she is then you can make your judgments and decisions off of those things don't just paint her with, she's Nigerian, so she must be, you know. Oh, she grew up with a, in a single parent household, so she must be. Must be yeah. Oh, he's, his, his brother is this person, so he must be. No. Because I think my whole life as well, I've gone through, a, I've gone through moments where people have put those things on me. Mm-hmm. And they've made me feel, they've made me feel a way. Oh, your brother's MC, so you MC. No, I don't. <laughs> oh, you know, you got... You go up in Tottenham, so you must, you know, you must rob people. Uh, no, I don't actually. Uh, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. you're, you're, you know, your parents, you're Nigerian, so you must love um, Afrobeats. You, you must not like dancehall music or reggae. Actually, no, that's not true. I love reggae music. You know, Fight, being able to define myself, myself, has been an important thing to me. And as I've gotten older, I've... I think it's that thing that you get, man. I've tried to deny it, Irene, but it's happening now. You turn into your parents. <laughs> you do. <laughs> you turn into you your parents. Your mom's daughter. <laughs> yeah, you you become your mum. You know, I found a I found a beauty, and my mum used to always parents' evenings. I used to think, oh my god, my mum's gonna come parents' evening in a in a attire. <laughs> oh track. no, like it was. Yeah, I was so <laughs> oh, stressed. So I said, oh yeah. my god, we're gonna be sitting in the assembly. <laughs> mom's gonna come in with a wrapper on and oh, a gele on and trad. <laughs> but now I find the beauty in that, bro. I find the beauty and how amazing that look you know when when my mom gets dressed up in her in her attire and she the way she's walking around the confidence in her the i say i want that yeah, yeah yeah i want that Agreed. confidence Agreed. and so when i when i'm going to host my first ever award ceremony rated awards i said what's going to give me confidence yeah. what is going to make me feel like a million dollars and go out and do this live broadcast first one i've ever done in my whole life in front of my peers in front of a scene that i've grown up in i said i need to wear what I am. I need to wear a gele on my head. I need to feel like 
I am the queen of this whole place. The real and regal one. Yes. You get what I'm saying? Them. And it's <laughs> and it's those things that I've yeah, it's those it's those moments that um yeah, man, they're just so important to me, bro, man. So important to me. Oh my god, I feel like I could cry. It <laughs> 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 just gave me a real sermon, yeah. Because <laughs> I was gonna actually talk about you shaving your hair because I feel like that yeah. represents so much about people being able. There's something about people being able to see your full face wholeheartedly yeah. that nothing's covering it, and and how that affects you and your self confidence. Mm-hmm. So I was gonna even ask you, like, when do you actually feel the most comfortable, like, in your own skin? When do I feel the most comfortable? Hmm. This is jokes. When I'm when I've just got out of the shower and I'm completely naked. <laughs> is that when you feel the most comfortable? I hope you when I've just skin. got out of the shower. When I when I just get out of the shower, I've got no and I've had a fresh haircut as well. Fresh haircut always helps. If I've got a fresh haircut and a fresh wax as well, I love a fresh wax. Um, I come one. out of the shower naked one. Um, and I moisturize my skin when I'm sitting on my little Ikea stool, wooden stool in front of my mirror, <laughs> naked. I feel like a million dollars. I think I've even tweeted it. I've said I hate putting on clothes because I look perfectly fine naked. Like I love myself. And when I put clothes on, I, I feel like I'm now trying to build what I felt naked with my clothes I'm trying to find the trousers that made me feel how I felt when I saw my <laughs> legs and I'm trying to find a t- like I'm trying to find all these layers to put on but really I was feeling perfectly fine before and yeah I I don't know I don't know where that came I don't know what it is but um, I remember I don't know if this is the reason why I shaved my head but I remember Amber Rose said that having a shaved head means you can't hide when you when you walk outside with your head shaved, there's nothing you can't put your fringe over your left eye. You can't. That is your face, and that's it. And I remember I remember thinking I I've got to love my face as it is because I've got nothing to throw over. You know I can't hide it. I can't put something in front of that spot that I got this morning. No, like exactly how I look today is how I'm going to look for the rest of the day. So you better get on board, Julie, because it's not going. You know what I mean, like. It's not gonna change. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. That's that's what it looks like. So, um, I think yeah, that that shaving my head honestly gave me the most amount of confidence. I've like the biggest confidence boost I've had in my whole life was shaving my head. I love that. Um, and I'm so happy that I did it. It's yeah, I think it's one of my best decisions. Are there any habits that you've developed to kind of check in? with your mental well-being because I feel like being a broadcaster and being someone who's kind of in the public eye very front facing Mm. like you said behind the doors when you do go home it is only just you yeah what kind of steps have you kind of put in place just to make sure that you're checking in with yourself and to make sure that yeah you know I'm good there's there's loads you know the most important one though that I'm going to say took me 20 I think it took me yeah I think it took me 30 years to learn I, m- I remember I, I remember it, it ma- like it felt like it manifested on my birthday at my 30th birthday party um that yeah, you was there thanks for coming um <laughs> I tell you what it but seriously I tell you what it was, what was built, it like learning what friendship is oh, is the thing episode, <laughs> is the thing that taught me like that has been my my mental health um like supporter it's learning what friendship is and learning i've made so many mistakes over the years with friendship so many 
there's people in my life that I haven't spoken to from one argument that doesn't even matter. And, and in my head, I, I was in my head. I used to think, yeah, man, but this happened and I didn't like it. So I never understood well, what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never understood what friendship was. Learning what friendship is. And having people that I can say every single thing in my brain to has changed my life. Um, I remember um, Issa Rae retweeted someone once that said, I don't trust girls that don't have friends that are women. And I've, I remember thinking, but I ain't got no friends that are women. Like, and I'm blessed. Like, I'm cool. What do you mean? You wouldn't trust me because I ain't got no friends that are women. No, said, they said, don't trust, don't trust women that don't, that don't like or haven't got female friends. And for a long time, I didn't understand, like, why, why is that a big deal? Like, <clears throat> it didn't make sense to me until I started making friends that are women and realising there was so much of my life about me and about women that I didn't understand because I only used to have male friends. Male friends. Mm -hmm. and, and then it made me a better friend to my male friends as well, having friends that are women. It made me a better friend to my male friends and it made me see things in myself that I didn't see before I had friends that were women. So yeah, my my friendships to me now are mate. They I I would die for the people that I love like my and my friends, not just my family. Like I would absolutely it's I say one of the funny things that I say is I it wasn't until I went to dinner with a with a bunch of women for Tolly's birthday, Tolani's birthday <laughs> that I learned that you don't need to pull your knickers all the way down to your ankles when you go toilet. And I, and I know <laughs> and I know it sounds mad I know it sounds absolutely insane yeah but I didn't ever think about it my dad was like wait so when you go to the toilet you pull your knickers all the way down to your ankles and I was just like yeah and they was like why, why? and I was like <laughs> I was like raw like why not they was like literally you just pull your trousers to like just your knees Mid, like, and your yeah. knickers and your trousers to your knees and you just sit down and wait and I was like, wait, I got up from the dinner and I went toilet. I to toilet. Irene, <laughs> I got up from dinner and I went to the toilet and I did it. And I said, oh, my goodness gracious, this is blowing my mind. And in my head, I was Wine thinking, blue. I'm 31 years old. That is so <laughs> funny. I'm 31 years old. I'm learning this at 31. Imagine what I could have learned if I had friends that were women from when I was 15, 16 years old. Like, Imagine what I would have learned. Like, it's insane. And I know it's a small, ridiculous thing, but it's like, it's anything. It's just so, there are so many things that a friendship can teach you that they're invaluable, bro. And yeah, so my my mental health has become so much more stable and I'm so much more open about it because of the people that I've, I that I cherish in my life and the friendships that, that I've made and prioritised. But yeah, shout out to anyone who didn't know that Knickers thing. That is real. <laughs> Babe. <laughs> I'm not even going to start on that one. So what's next? <laughs> That's so real. What's next? Because I could, we could talk all day, all night. What's yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You? I feel weird. This, this feels weird because you've just spoken to me. I haven't been able to ask you no questions. And I, don't, I don't like it. That goes against my friendship rules, but it's okay because I know why we're doing it. We're talking about um, you. We're not talking about Yeah, me. no, it's okay. Fine. Focus. But, um, what is next for me? <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> I, what's next for me? I'm just going to say one word because there's a lot. Um, but the, the thing that's next for me is ownership. Love that. Oh, we talk about this all the time. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Okay, but I'll say yeah. Ownership, ownership, ownership in everything. That's that's what's next for me. Ownership in everything that I do is next for me. That's what it's got to be from now on. I feel like I've put in the hours. I feel like I've made the right um, relate, built the right relationships with people. Um, I feel like I've learned a lot 
Um, and now I want to I want to own stuff and I want to do exactly what I'm doing now, to be fair, um, in terms of what you said earlier about giving my platform to as many people as possible that I think it would be beneficial for. Um, but in anything that you do, if you don't own it, you can only give a small percentage to other Agreed. people because you're, you're already borrowing from some someone That's else. That's it. So for me, I want to be able to give the maximum amount of percentage I can give from the thing that I own rather than trying to get something from someone else to then pass down through me to someone else. It's like, no. I'm going to be the person that's sitting next to you and I'm going to own everything that you need and you're going to say, hey, Junie, can I have this? And I'm going to be like, yeah. Um, yes or no. So it's yeah. your decision because yeah. it's yours. That's it. Exactly. Oh, we love that. So yeah, ownership. So if anybody wants to follow you, see you, like you, ask you questions, slide into your DM. What's your <laughs> out on all the socials? Please slide into my DMs. My DMs are dry. <laughs> all I talk about in my DMs are, are films and movies to watch. That's it. Someone slide. <laughs> Electric slide in you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, slide. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah slide. Fast, slide. Fast. Um, I'm everywhere with my real name, which is so funny because I remember growing up thinking I would never put my real name on the internet. And now no, I'm everywhere with my full real name, Julie Adenuga. Um, so, yeah, if you want to talk to me about anything in the world, um, yeah, just search Julie, Julie Adenuga, and I'm there with Thank my you, face. Julie. My stupid face and my um, <laughs> and, and my shaved head. Your face is not stupid. You will stupid. see me. You will see my stupid, stupid face and my shaved head. No, Your I'm joking. It's not a stupid, stupid face. It's a great face. Exactly. Um, can I just say, face. and I'm, you know, I'm going to do this because I always Go do on, it. Give it to them. I love you, bro. I love, I love you. More. <laughs> um, I love you so much. Uh, yeah, and I I try to tell you this as often as possible. The value that you bring into not just my life but everybody's lives. I hope you're. I hope that you know how appreciated and loved you are. Um, and in the time you can't be with someone all the time every day and I yeah I know our thoughts can get away with us and I know this life that we live is a crazy one um, so I hope that in any time where you feel you need to you just remember that you, you are loved by so many people and you are Thanks. you add value to our lives that's what's that's the most important you add value to our lives Thanks. life would Thanks. life would be different and not as good most importantly without you so so thank Thanks. you for always um, for always pushing through those the, the the shitty days and and coming through and delivering on the on the days that you've helped make amazing, I appreciate oh, you. Thank you, my sister. I'm with you on the ownership one. Soon come. Yeah. Power that's up. That's what it's. That's what it's gonna be. It's time to power up, man. It's really. That's the next ten years. Up. The next Trust. ten years is ownership. Trust. I'm with you on that one. I love you. Now, thank someone, you so someone, get me an <laughs> NSG poster, please. Thank you. On that note, we out. Thanks for listening, uh, guys. Bye, Julie. Thank you we guys love so you. much. Okay, I bye. Love you so much. Bye. See you later. Bye. So, on that note, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of TTYA Talks. I'm your host, Irene, and you can catch me on all socials at Irene TTYA. Ooh, give it to them. Thanks, guys. We out. <laughs>